T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. State Representative LaShawn Ford is not the best known of the candidates running to be mayor of Chicago, unless you're from the west side, maybe. But in some recent mayoral forums, he has tried to set himself apart. With the race in constant flux, the distinction may make a difference. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is Representative LaShawn Ford, who has been in the Illinois General Assembly since 2007. He's been a teacher and a basketball coach for the Chicago Public Schools. He is a licensed uh, insurance agent, and he has been a voice for people on the West Side and on issues like health care, violence, and restorative justice. I'll let him tell you why he decided to join the mayor's race. Representative LaFord, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be on your show. Oh, well... <laughs> Thank you, uh-huh. but the, the honor is ours. Thank you. Uh, so let's get to that big question uh, first. This is a crowded field. Apparently, it could get down to 13 candidates, depending upon what happens in the next uh, couple of days, and a number of big names are in the running. Why did you want to get into it? Well, you know, Craig, I wanted to get into it because I looked at the field of, quote, big-name candidates with the uh, big donors from um, special interests um, from unions. And I think that what we have learned from the past is that we're going to continue to get the same type of governing if we continue to elect people that's controlled by special interests and um, different unions. Our goal in Chicago is to take a new path um, from the past. And that means that we have to elect someone with experience people that in Chicago, we know people want change. People want someone that's going to be able to represent the interests of communities, represent the interests of hurting families in the city of Chicago. And, you know, I think that the top tier people with all the money, you know, where their interests will be. My interest would be on healing Chicago and making sure that we lift people out of poverty into prosperity. Um, you were talking about experience. Uh, you were not born with a silver spoon in your mouth, as they uh, sometimes say. It wasn't a pampered childhood. What did those experiences do for you and for your constituents uh, as a public official? Yeah, as as a um, child born in Cabrini Green, an area that's now gentrified where, you know, we could not move back. And when I say we, my family could not put all of our nickels together and buy a, a house in that area right now if we wanted to. Because what we know about the area over in Cabrini, it's been gentrified. And that's the problem that we see across the city of Chicago is becoming so unaffordable for working men and women in the city of Chicago. You know, 
never knowing my father growing up in um, being adopted by my grandmother because my mother was 15 years old when she had me. Um, it has been a great life because I've been able to live the life of a normal person without a silver spoon. And I've been able to grow in a way that has been a struggle, but it's also taught me a lot on how to be a public servant. Growing up as a Catholic, I subscribe to all of the social justice um, beliefs of the Catholic church. The Catholic church uh, has its problems, but one thing that the Catholic church has that I subscribe to is the social justice uh, philosophy. Um, so never knowing my father, never um, um, really having a, a um, real path to a successful career without hard work, unlike many people in this race, I've been blessed to have the opportunity to work hard like the majority of the people in the city of Chicago have to do. And when we talk about justice, uh, the, if you talk about the criminal justice system, you do it as someone who had a bad experience with it and pulled through it. And I, I would think that also has to have an effect on the things that you're interested in and the things that you want to change. You know, absolutely, Craig. Just growing up on the west side of Chicago and Austin, we see so many people impacted by the criminal justice system. We see a city that is so punitive, a city that has a police department that clearly needs reform that um, seems to breed felons, um, seem to force felons sometimes on people that probably should not be felons because we have a more punitive type of system than a restorative justice system. So there was a time when there was a indictment on my life, you know, and I call it an indictment on my life because the federal government, it was the U S against LaShawn K Ford indicted on 17 counts of bank fraud. That was devastating during a time where I had made it to a point as an African-American male, never having run-ins with the law, you know, and God bless uh, my grandmother for um, sacrificing so much, not being killed on the streets of Chicago. And at 40 something, the feds indict me that, you know, you, you know, the odds were, against anything like that. You didn't get killed in the streets of Chicago. You don't have an arrest record. You don't have a criminal felony on your record. You made it as a African American and then they come and, um, we fight that and it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I have to say, um, Tom Durkin is someone that other attorneys should really, really, um, take a look at because was he, your defense lawyer. he was my defense lawyer. He defended me. He believed in me. And because of that, you know, we were able to, with the grace of God and the love of my family, we were able to go through years of an indictment to prove our case. And um, what we found was that 
all they wanted to do was get me to take um, a felony. And so there were several offers of a felony um, count, you know, to have me do 36 months and they reduce it and they kept going on and on. And because we had the resources to fight it, it ultimately, they came back with one felony count and do six years in jail. Well, that wasn't right. So we continued to fight it and we went all the way to the day of trial and they dropped all 17 counts of bank fraud. Now that was amazing because what we have there is a situation where I could have been a felon and I would have lost my teacher license. I'm a teacher by profession. I would have lost my insurance license. I would have lost my real estate license. I would have had to resign from the house of representatives in Illinois because I would have been a felon. And what we know is in Illinois, in Chicago, in America, there are a lot of people that have been wrongfully convicted, wrongfully charged that have felons on their records that should not be. And so my life is pretty much like a lot of people, whether you're white, black, or brown, you have experienced this. And there are people in your family that have felons on felonies on their records that probably shouldn't. And, uh, before we, I just want to make a note, uh, for people who may not be familiar with the case, what, uh, what uh, uh, Tom Durkin argued was that m most white people who were facing similar situations were never charged with felonies and were uh, were because it was a minor tax. Well, a minor, I, a minor um, it I'm was almost like a pa paperwork thing. Well, I'm and, glad you brought <laughs> that up. But what what really the matter of fact is that they charged me with things that was false. I mean, mm -hmm. not that the minor paperwork that has nothing to do with it. They actually tried to charge me with something that I didn't do. Mm -hmm. And that's why they dropped all 17 counts of bank fraud. Right. And so I'm very, very happy that justice um, happened in that case. Well, as long as we're talking about the justice system, give us your thoughts on uh, the acquittal this week by a judge of three retired and current police officers who were tried for allegedly lying to cover up the facts in the Jason Van Dyke case. Van Dyke is the uh, police officer who was convicted of second-degree murder for the killing of teenager Laquan McDonald. How do you feel about that verdict, that, that basically uh, finding them innocent? You know, one thing that we have to do is respect our justice system and make sure that we understand that when rulings are... Um, when rulings come down, there's going to be times when we like it and there's going to be times when we don't like it. Now, what I know is that the problem in this case is the current structure of the Chicago police department that allowed for, um, a certain type of behavior to take place during that, um, investigation. The indictment should be on the Chicago police department and it should be on the current mayor of the city of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel. Um, it's my belief that because I haven't read the um, judge's ruling in its entirety, I can't really comment on it. But it's my belief that there was a cover-up, and there's no doubt that there was a cover-up to protect um, the officers. But did the defense attorneys and the prosecutors, um, did the prosecutors prove beyond a reasonable doubt 
that these officers were um, innocent or guilty. What lesson does a verdict like this teach other police officers, and what should people in the black and brown communities take away from this case? You know, I think that the death of Laquan McDonald has made Chicago a better place, and we can't let the fact that we lost a young man and we can't let his death be in vain. And so I think that we've all learned that change is necessary and change is a must in the city of Chicago as it relates to fixing our police department. And as mayor of the city of Chicago, one of the first things that I would do is make sure that we have change in the Chicago police department because there's racism in the police department that the federal DOJ talked about. And there's no doubt that we have to fix that. And if we don't fix it, the racism in our police department really is bad for all of the good cops. We have to make sure that the good cops are protected and we give them a sanctuary place to come to help root out bad cops. And that's what we're going to do as mayor of the city of Chicago. It costs too much for taxpayers to constantly um, pay for police misconduct. It's uh, unfortunate, but racism costs taxpayers. And as mayor, we're going to deal with the structural uh, problem of racism, not only in the Chicago Police Department, but in CPS. Um, how do you address the high crime and all the shootings in some neighborhoods without turning some of those communities into virtual military encampments or like it's martial law. Yeah. The focus and the will of government has the responsibility to make sure that the, the, that public safety is first. And the way you do that is you make sure that your public schools are meeting the needs of the young people. That's why we have a 10 point plan for the youth. We want to make sure that every child, Every student in the Chicago public school has access to the um, services that they need as relates to trauma um, treatment. Um, That means that students that's living in these high crime areas, we have to support them. We have to make sure that if a student wants to go to a university, that the school that they attend is going to help them get there. We have to make sure that if a student wants to be in manufacturing, that the school that they're attending is going to help them get there. We have to make sure that if students want to go straight to the workforce, we have to make sure that the school supports that. We have to make sure that the school support young people that want to go and serve in our um, service, um, armed services. But what we have right now in CPS, we're not preparing all of the students in every community. And because of that, People have lost hope. They've lost dignity. And um, that's a problem. We're going to restore hope. We're going to restore dignity. And we're going to make sure that we have a skilled city of workers able to go to work and um, have the dignity that they need to make our streets safer. But how do you make sure that that excellence reaches all neighborhoods? I mean, what, what... What can CPS do? What can the city do to to make sure that every neighborhood has 
a good school and not one that's struggling to um, make, you know, even give students the basics. Yeah, the best thing that we could do immediately is to make sure that we eliminate what you call the appointed school board. The appointed school board is the corruption in the city where the mayor has a $7.6 billion budget that is unchecked. And that budget that the mayor has allows the mayor to use the money in communities where the mayor sees fit. And because of that, we've seen in certain communities a lack of investment. And so what we have to do is look at the fact that we have a city that says we know the best schools in the city. And those schools are the ones that you have to apply to be in the lottery. Now, that right there is discrimination, that's racist, and it should end. We must have all schools to be like Skinner, like Walt Disney. Every community deserves that. That's where the crime starts when a child doesn't have the ability to grow and have an education that's going to make their life meaningful. And I'll give you a, an example. Well, well hold, hold that thought. Mm-hmm. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is State Representative LaShawn Ford, who is a candidate for mayor of Chicago. Now, your example of... My, my example, I have a cousin, and my little cousin lost his mother to crime on the west side of Chicago. And um, she was killed. And a year after that, his father and his fiance was killed on the west side of Chicago. Now these are family members of mine and what so devast what's so devastating about that my little cousin is left without the parents. But we asked him what did he want for Christmas? And he told us that he wanted a gun. Because there is trauma in his life. So we have to support our young um, family member to help him get through this. So in Chicago, we want to blame the youth for acting out in ways that's disturbing to all of us. But Chicago has a responsibility to deal with and support the youth that have been experiencing trauma in their lives for so long. And these communities are filled with drugs. They're filled with, um, guns, illegal guns, and they're filled with um, um, crime that causes trauma, which causes people to hurt other people. Uh, Let's talk about what steps, aside from the kind of wraparound services you're talking about here, what kind of steps does can be taken by the Chicago Police Department? What's going to need to be done by Springfield? And if it's Springfield, a place you know well, Mm -hmm. What do you do to get those bills approved? Yeah. So what we have to do, first of all, is make sure that we have a restorative model in um, in Chicago where we turn our police stations into um, uh, resource centers as well. So we can't have our police departments um, not have restorative models in them. So, for example, we have a police station in the 15th district, every police station should have support for law enforcement when they bring people in. Because what we know is that people, when they're arrested, they may be arrested for a crime, but those crimes may have been 
perpetrated because they have mental health problems. And so the police should have the ability to um, divert people from the criminal justice system to treatment. And so all of our police stations should have uh, mental health services or some type of wraparound services so that people are directed to the right help. And um, Cook County Jail is not always the place for everyone. There is a thing called um, redeploy um, for juveniles in Illinois. And we have to get that in Cook County. In Cook County, it's not here. We have redeploy for adults, but we don't have it for juveniles. And because of that, juveniles become felons early on. They're not diverted. So I've been working and trying to get the president of Cook County board president and uh, to get redeploy Illinois for juveniles, but it's not happening. And what that would do is it automatically take the juveniles into a restorative justice model instead of making them into felons. And so that's going to be very helpful. And we have to make sure that we just passed a bill for um, evidence-based model for education, which will bring lots of money to the city of Chicago um, for education. We have to make sure that our uh, Chicago delegation does everything to bring more money back from Springfield to Chicago, not only to bring it for the um, programming, but to build, bring in more money for capital so that we could build um, new and innovative and uh, state-of-art schools in every community. Well, let's talk about rebuilding and redeveloping neighborhoods. How do you bring more business, more development to the more struggling areas of the city? Yeah, we have to bring development and more businesses to the um, poverty-stricken communities because, one, we know that the jobs are not available for people in those communities, and we know that poor people, struggling people, um, also lack transportation to get to the jobs. Most of the jobs are in the financial district or in the suburbs, and so we wonder why the unemployment rate is so high and in um, Garfield or, or, or Roseland or in Austin or Inglewood is because people can't get to employment because of public transportation is not available or as easy. And so we have to make sure that we um, develop our communities, one, by eliminating vacant and abandoned buildings. We have to make sure that we build on those vacant lots the only place you see vacant and abandoned buildings are on the south and west sides of Chicago. And as mayor, we will make sure that banks can no longer sit on properties for years and years, bringing down the value of communities, bringing down the values of Chicago. It's not just Inglewood or um, Lindale or Roseland that the value goes down. The entire value of the city goes down and we lose our most pressing um, assets, you know, we need to make sure that we grow the economy in every neighborhood and have an inclusive economy. You know, we have a 600 plus billion dollar economy in Chicago. That's something to grow on. We have to put that to work. We need a mayor in Chicago that understands how to make sure we capitalize on our assets. And that's what we're going to do. How do you, or what, businesses are going to invest in 
uh, struggling areas. I mean, you have big retailers who are moving out at this point of some neighborhoods. Well, that's that's great. And when anytime you have big retailers moving out, they came and when they came, they closed small businesses. And so what we have to do is make sure that the city of Chicago becomes an incubator for small businesses. And we need to make sure that we grow small businesses in every community so that they're vibrant. It's only in in struggling communities where you don't see a vibrant, um, um, you know, what you call a vibrant business district. Most communities like, let's just say Chinatown, it's vibrant. You have lots of small businesses and the crime is lower in those areas. When you look at High Park, it's vibrant. You don't need big businesses to be in communities. What you need, you need the small businesses to help those communities thrive so that people could walk out of their doors, go to work, get experience and grow. Um, with the few minutes we have left, uh, let's turn to uh, a bit of ethics. Uh, obviously a lot of the headlines, uh, lately have been involving, uh, former city council finance committee chair, Ed Burke, who is charged with extortion and accused of using his power as an alderman to put pressure on Burger King to use his tax appeal law firm. Uh, all that to say, to ask you, should aldermen have the power to block any project in their ward? No, I don't think that aldermen should unilaterally be able to block anything. And so I think that we have to take away the alderman's ability to um, approve and um, or deny businesses from coming because that's where the corruption comes in. And we have to make sure that people have the power to run the government in the city. Of course, we know that it's important that we elect people that have uh, morals and values to do the right thing. But we have to make sure that if they lack the judgment necessary that there are uh, consequences in place. And that's why when there was a Laquan McDonald's um, shooting and 16 shots, I did a recall mechanism to try to make sure that we had some type of uh, mechanism in place to recall the mayor. We need to make sure that the citizens of Chicago will have the ability to recall elected officials when there are reasons to believe that they have lost the trust. Um, and even if, if you're, if you are mayor, you still want the public to have the ability to recall. I do. In fact, I'm going to continue to push that uh, measure in Springfield. So critical that we put the power in the people's hands. They're the taxpayers and we have to make sure that we give them the power back. Um, we only have about a minute. Uh, so any other ethics reforms, uh, that you believe yeah, all the prerogative has to has to end. We have to make sure that we do something to um, campaign finance reform. We have to do something with that. Outside uh, outside employment, having a outside second employment job. has to end because it breeds corruption. Um, it's so important that we have people that's dedicated to um, the job that they're going to take the oath of office for. So, as mayor, I will end my career as a real estate broker that I've had for over 20 years. Um, and as a, uh, if, uh, what other, besides, besides the, the, the work, uh, what can you do about campaign finance? Uh, how, the, it takes a lot of money 
to run for this office. It does take a lot of money to run for this office. And it's my hope that the voters of Chicago recognize that their vote is not for sale, that they will not be um, bought by campaign ads that's deceiving, that they will look at the work of the candidates that's running and look at who's been standing with them for the years um, that they've been elected. I've stood with the immigration community. I've supported reforms, sanctuary state. I support sanctuary um, city for Chicago. I've stood with the, um, with the reentry community. I've stood with the um, women having the right to choose what they want for their own body. And I've also supported marriage equality. Well, that is going to be the final word. Thank you to mayoral candidate and state lawmaker LaShawn Ford for uh, spending this half hour with us. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcast on Radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. WBBM and HD Chicago, WCFS FM and HD1 Elmwood Park, Chicago. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T Mobile.com. 